Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. Thanks for joining me. This is Bill Arnold. I'm glad that we're going to have a couple hours to be together, and I'm looking forward to it. Of course, I've been looking forward to it all day, driving over here in my car going, I can hardly wait. It's going to be great. That's what I'm thinking anyway. And I hope you're feeling the same way. I hope your week has been good. And, you know, again, we're back in these difficult, weird times, and I find uh, myself gravitating um, more and more to uh, God's Word, which I love. I'm very happy to be doing that. And I'm finding that there are verses that are popping into my head like never before. And ones that I've read a million times that on that million and first time, it has kind of a new look and a new meaning and a new, I got to dig into that. So that kind of is uh, the focus of our first hour today with uh, Beverly Canera. She's going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about that very thing, those verses that you just love. You love so much that you sometimes even call it a life verse. And that's going to be a topic of the conversation today. And I want to open up the text line because I'm real curious as to what your verses that you especially love, that you especially go to, and that you uh, that you refer to a lot in your life um, or you think about. Maybe you've got it up on your uh, wall. Maybe it's uh, printed um, uh, on something really nice. Maybe you've embroidered it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that. That'd be a big job. But anyway, you can send me your your verse, verse that you love. Maybe you call it your life verse. You can uh, send me the text to 877-933-2484. We're going to be doing a lot of comparing and contrasting. I'm going to be curious to see uh, what verses come in and if there's a consistency, if there's a popular verse. All right, let me take a little break and I'll bring on Beverly. We love hearing from Faith Radio listeners. It's easy to get in touch with us through the Faith Line. When you call 877-933-2484, listen to the greeting, and then press the number 1. Then leave a message for a show host or general manager, Neil Stavum. You can also ask a question about upcoming events, and the event coordinator will contact you. Or if you'd like information on a specific program, you can inquire about that as well, and the producer of that show or another staff person will get back to you. Another way to access program information is through MyFaithRadio.com. Look under the Programs tab for specific show information, including recent guests and topics. Again, the number for the Faith Line is 877-933-2484. That's 877-933-2484 or 877-93-FAITH. Give us a call anytime and leave a message to stay connected to Faith Radio. Beverly Canaris. She is. Uh, she taught Bible study fellowship for over 30 years as a teaching leader, and now she uh, still loves to teach. And I, we're so glad to have her as a regular guest on the show. And I, I think of it as, as a Bible study with Bab. That's what I think in my head, and I think that's what Rebecca thinks too, because <laughs> we all grow so much when she comes on and, and shares uh, from the Word. Bab, welcome. Well, it's great to be here with you, Bill. Of it's course. A beautiful 
beautiful day here anyway. Indeed it is. So um, as I started thinking about uh, the way people gravitate towards certain verses and they they love them, they learn them, they memorize them, they, they put them on a piece of paper and they tape it to their shaving mirror maybe, what, uh, what verse do you go to? Well, you know, I, I never set out to find or to keep a life verse. Um, however, when I was really young in my faith and I was one of my first uh, Bible teachings or a talk I was asked to give, they said, bring, uh, you know, share something about a favorite verse. And so I had been looking at Galatians 2.20 um, for some time. And when I came across that verse, I wanted to identify with it for my entire life. I just felt like I couldn't plumb the depths of this verse. Um, I know some people are not really life verse people. It's just what they need for today and how God speaks to them on a unique way and unique circumstances. So, I mean, we love all of God's word, no doubt about it. But um, this just seemed to kind of choose me rather than I chose it. Um, it it just keeps coming back to me. And it's I've really had it for 40 years. I have looked to this verse and I still marvel at it, Bill. And I want to have this verse really as part of my legacy. Um, I want it to be what my life uh, stood for. Um, and this verse really gives me a life purpose statement. So for me, this just is kind of the hub that I want my life to um, reflect in every direction. All right, let's walk through that verse, because I, I love that verse. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. It's one of the first ones I memorized as well. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I just think that verse is stunning. So much is said in this verse. I need to first put this verse into context, though, and then we can kind of do the deep dive, um, especially since we're only going to have uh, one verse today, Bill, usually we cover multiple chapters or at least a chapter when we're together for, for Bible study. And this is just going to be taking it phrase by phrase. But first, we're going to put it into context like we always should when we're a, a, a Bible student. We always have to look. We can't just pick it out of the scripture. We need to know what is around that verse. And that gives us the meaning right in there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, let's let's go into the context text of even the book of Galatians. Galatians was one of those um, circular letters written to the churches from the Apostle Paul. And Galatia was like an area. It wasn't a city. Some of the, the New Testament letters were cities. This is an area. And Paul helped to establish churches in this area. Um, it was written really to counter a lot of false teaching that was going around at the time. And in fact, this false teaching still goes around today. Um, it was that those Gentiles who were being saved, so in other words, a Gentile is a person who's not Jewish, um, they had put their faith in Christ, but there was a certain group of people that said that they also had to keep the Mosaic law. The truth is that keeping the keeping of the law can save no one. We're only saved by faith in the one and only Christ, and only he kept the law perfectly, and he did that on our behalf. So human nature 
we are just drawn to the doctrine of works. We think we can do it. We just need to be good or good enough. Mm -hmm. But how good is good enough? The book of Galatians comes at this false teaching from a lot of different angles. Really, it confidently rebuffs that thinking. Paul uses a lot of illustrations in the book, including Abraham, Hagar, Sarah. And in the verses just above Galatians 2.20, which is that life verse of mine, the Apostle Paul uses the Apostle Peter as an illustration. Paul confronts Peter, who was, you know, by the way, one of the foremost apostles. And the reason he did that was because Peter had given the appearance that he was comfortable eating with the Gentiles, uh, fellowshipping with the Gentiles. He didn't tell them they had to follow the law. But all of a sudden, some of these people came to Galatia and they um, were spreading that false teaching that you had to also keep the law. So what did Peter do? Did he stand up to them and say, this isn't true? No, what Peter did, he pulled away from the Gentiles and stopped eating and stopped having fellowship with them. Well, the apostle Paul called him out on this and uh, listen to what Paul argues back to him. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So Paul makes a very good case. And then this is the kind of the setup for why he goes here in Galatians 2.20. So with that background, um, why don't I start with just the first phrase that love really caught my attention, okay. right? Yeah. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Now that really raised my eyebrows. Like what? Crucified with Christ. Um, I just couldn't quite understand exactly what that meant. But as I've thought about it all these long years, I really realized that each believer has an Easter. We have a death and we have a resurrection. Let's see how that, well, how that makes sense to us. Well, Christ was the perfect man, the son of God. He died on my behalf. He took my place, my just punishment, by the way, for sin, which is death. So now, as I identify with Christ as my Savior, the power of sin that, had, that, that sin had over me has been broken, and the guilt and the shame of my sin has been crucified too. So the cross, think of the cross as standing between me and my past sin, shame, guilt, and also standing in between what is future, my future sin. I just love that picture of the cross. So I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, that sin in me has been crucified. The guilt and the shame is nailed to that cross. Uh, Romans 6 goes into detail about how Christ's death uh, really becomes ours and how we become dead to sin. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptism is a picture of dying with Christ or being crucified with Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that 
just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Isn't that just a beautiful picture of what happens to us? We die. Um, that old man, that old sinful person is gone, mm. dead. It can no longer be held guilty when you're dead, right? Yeah. You're dead. It's There's the, no charging you. It's that exchanged life, Bev. It's just fantastic. It is. Yeah. It is. Let me I, take, I love that thought. Yeah, let me take our first little break here. Beverly Canaris is my guest. And if you have a verse that you just love, maybe you even think of it as your life verse. Scott just uh, sent in a text and said that his was Philippians 2, 8 through 11. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be right back. We are back with Beverly Canaris, and we are scripture all over the place today, which is great. We're asking people to send in verses that just are powerful to them. Maybe they call them their life verse. There are a couple that have just been coming in like crazy, and I think, Rebecca, you got one. Read that. Sure. Uh, listener sent in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we do not have a high priest that can't be touched with feelings of our infirmities, for he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Fantastic. And First John 2, 1 is another verse. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Wonderful. All right. If you've got a verse that you're nuts about, I can't guarantee I can read it or Rebecca can read it, but we'll, we'd love to hear what's, uh, what's on your heart. All right, Bev, we're back. Wonderful. Well, we've been talking about my life verse, which is Galatians 2.20, and we're on the first phrase of this verse, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And because of that death, our positional status before God has totally changed. Justice for my sin has been served thanks to Christ's death, and now I have the status of righteous. You said, Bill, before we left for the break, the exchange life. Um, I give him my filthy rags, my unrighteousness, my sin, and Christ gives me his clean white robe. He gives me his righteousness. What a, a, an amazing transaction that we go through. Um, but there first needs to be that crucifixion, that associating with Christ as your Lord and Savior in order for that exchange to happen. So what are the implications, more the practical implications in my life that I have been crucified with Christ? Well, the crucifixion is really a dying to the self-life and a coming into the new Christ life. I'm free now of guilt, shame. I'm free from that condemned status before God. As Christ gave up his life for me, so my response to this statement should be that I, down, <clears throat> I lay down my life for him. Uh, my night life is no longer my own. Scripture says that we have been bought with a price by the precious blood of Christ. So that's that's really my response to 
um, to why I have been crucified with Christ is so that I can enter into this new life that's so much better than the old way of just being all about myself, um, a self-focused life. Now uh, it comes into being a Christ-focused life. Another verse that really kind of tells this same idea of I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live is found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. So again, it's talking about being a living sacrifice. Luke 9, Jesus is teaching here. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So that phrase, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, means I cannot live for myself anymore. I lay down desires, plans, pride, and I look to the Lord and his desire and his will for my life. So the cross is that point where I lay down my self-life and want the Christ life. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Can I read you a, a testimony of a woman that uh, she sent me this some years ago, and it's just a beautiful description of what happens in that process of being crucified with Christ. I love that. Yeah, she said, um, uh, I have given the, I've been given the courage and wisdom to accept Christ as my Savior. This salvation did not come easy. I came kicking and screaming at first. I've always prided myself in working hard. Nothing has been harder for me than killing, letting go of self. Every day it's a struggle to let go of my agenda and to let go to God. But each time I do, I grow a little more in Jesus. I'm proud of being a Christian and know that this hard work is now being done for the right purpose, to glorify God. It feels so much better than being so selfish. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I love a testimony like that that's so real. And that was just such, she's describing such a real um, huge change in her life because of this. And she's realizing now uh, the the better life is to live for the Lord and not just for herself. So, you know, well, Beth, let's go on to the second phrase, okay, should we? Before we move on to that, I would just love to say, I think it's powerful to put these this image together. That verse, I have been crucified with Christ, and position yourself at the foot of the cross, looking up at a completely bloodied, beaten, and dying Savior. Because if you say, I have been crucified with Christ, then take yourself right to the cross and gaze upon his sacrifice. Mm. There's my thought for the day. Yeah. Now, not, you know, now back well, to you. Well, they say that we should, we, we really need to contemplate on the cross every day. I agree. Bill. But there's something so, so powerful about that image and that verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And just to go to that rugged cross and to look up and say, there's my Savior dying for my sins. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. Remember who he was. Right. He was the son of God, <laughs> the one and only son, God yeah. of God, God himself. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It, it, again, we'll get into more of this as this verse goes on. It, it goes back to that same thought. Well, let's go on to that second phrase then, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. What does that mean? It means that 
Christ through the Holy Spirit indwells me now. Jesus lives out his life in me day to day as I yield to him. So what we do, we take that head knowledge of knowing what it means to be crucified with Christ, and now we take it into our hearts where we actively live our lives for and with Christ. Life has a whole new purpose, a whole new power, because he's living inside of us. Changes everything. So let me share a few of the specifics of knowing that Christ lives in me um, and, and what that looks like. Jesus said in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within. Living waters is this continual presence of God in our lives that is the life source. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Love it. Yeah. So here's the things I, I just made my own little list here. Uh, through Christ living in me, I can be a source of blessing flowing to others. With Christ living in me, he's the ultimate resource of all I need. Example, with this virus right now, he is my peace when I want to scream. I admit I have moments I want to scream. It's testing my patience. He is always enough, Christ living in me. He gives me guidance, strength, peace, courage, Christ living in me. Christ living in me has a purifying effect as well. My body and mind is a temple of God now. So I never want to take my body or my mind anywhere I wouldn't want Christ to be. This really describes this purifying effect of Christ in me, um, a progressive sanctification. In other words, I'm starting to look more and more like Jesus. That's the goal there. Christ living in me means I'm never alone. And there's a lot of people isolated and alone right now. Um, Boy, if there's anybody you should call, it, it should be those individuals who are isolated and alone. Another thing that Christ living in me does is his living waters are flowing through me. He's my very source of life, my life source. Another thing is I no longer work for God when I serve him. He does his work through me. Mm -hmm. He's living in me. He's doing his work through me. It just changes it the way you look at things. And then also scripture says in Colossians 1:27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, our future is secure because Christ lives in me. That I just that thought is immense. And then also Christ living in me is my defense against Satan. Satan is the enemy of God and God's people. But 1 John 4:4 4, 4 says greater is he who is in you remember Christ lives in you, than he who is in the world. So I know with Christ living in me, that he is greater than anything that Satan could throw my uh, way. All right, Bev, it's time to take our little uh, break at the bottom of the hour. So we'll take a break. But if you have a verse that you just love, and you've maybe even considered it your life verse, we'd love to see what it is. You can send me a text of what that verse is, 877 or if you feel like emailing, you can do that too. Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. Carol sent a great one in from Jude, the doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and
Welcome back to the show. So glad that Beverly Canaris is my guest. I'm talking about verses that mean a whole lot to you. Maybe, maybe it's your life verse. And she absolutely loves and considers Galatians two twenty her life verse. So it's really fun to go through this piece by piece. Bab, you're doing a great job too, by the way. Thanks, Bill. Well, we we've talked so far. We've talked about the first part of the verse that says, "I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live." but Christ lives in me. And that is such a powerful thought that actually Christ living in us. So I just wanted to ask the listeners, as you think about that, are you, do you have assurance that Christ is living in you? Has the knowledge about Christ gone from that head knowledge to a heart knowledge? You see, a heart knowledge will want to have Christ living in us in every part of our life. You know, Christ doesn't want to just be a guest in some areas. He wants to come in. He wants to be the resident. He wants to be living and influencing every area of our lives. So that's the first half of this verse. So let's go to the next one, the next part of Galatians 2.20 that reads this way. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now we know from Hebrews 11:6 that faith is what pleases God and without faith it's not possible to please him and that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We also know from Ephesians 2 that faith is a gift of God so no one can boast. So when we talk about living by faith and having faith we're talking really about a gift that God has given us that we can develop by the way. And then Hebrews 12, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith or the originator of our faith, and he's the one that works it out and grows it and perfects it as we keep our eyes fixed on him. I love that part of Hebrews. Well, the source of our faith is God. Faith is all about the object of faith and not faith itself. So here in this phrase from Galatians 2.20, it says that the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, Christ, who is very God of very God, that's the rock. That's the source that I look to um, what I have faith in, not faith in my faith. I have faith in him, the object. So living by faith means that I'm really placing all my weight upon him uh, as, or we could say all my eggs are in his basket. I remember when my daughter was four years old and she looked, it was the 4th of July and she looked up at me with her big, beautiful eyes, and she, she, we were talking about the Lord and about receiving the Lord. And she looked at me, um, and she said, Mommy, do you believe it? And I said, Honey, I believe it with everything in my being. And that was the day she received the Lord. So that really is, she wanted to know, Mom, are you, do you have, are you placing all your weight on this? Do you really believe it 100%? Living by faith really means taking God at his word, the truth of his teaching and his promises we take to heart as from him to us. That's why I love hearing all these other promises and verses from scripture that people are really loving and cling on to. We trust in his ability to fulfill his promises, and we can have great assurance that his word is truth. So all of that is kind of the fruit of faith. Faith is also something we can grow. Jesus talked about having just faith the size of a mustard seed, which you know is pretty commonly known that it's very tiny. But even with that, we can, we can move mountains. So 
Um, but Jesus did refer to little faith. He called the disciples several times, O ye of little faith. And then he talked about having a great faith when the centurion came to him and wanted healing for his servant. And he said, you don't even have to come to me. I believe you have the power to do it from afar. Just it's like I give orders. And um, Jesus marveled at his great faith at that time. So the more we live by faith, the more we trust him, the more we lean into him, the more that faith really does grow. But also when we're living by faith, it's going to be tested, right? Circumstances, you read everybody in the Bible had their faith tested because um, life is not easy here. And we, we have tribulations, just as Jesus said we would. We have we have trials, we have sickness, we have um, COVID-19, um, we have pain, suffering, trials. These kinds of things are going to test our faith. Uh, I, I read a little excerpt from Pilgrim's Progress this past week, and I thought it was really a good illustration of this. Um, Christian, who was the main character in Pilgrim's Progress, he was going on this one way and he looked and he saw two lions in the way of the way he was going. He was going to enter the house beautiful. Um, how this must have tempted him to want to retreat, especially hearing what timorous and mistrust, makes me laugh, hmm. had to say about the lions. But in constancy of faith, Christian pressed on, enduring the frightening roars, despising the scorching breath of the fierce beasts, his assurance was the word of the house porter who said, fear not the lions, for they are chained and are placed there for the trial of faith. And then it goes on to apply this. So it is for you and me. Lions are placed along the pathway of our pilgrim journey to test the quality of our faith. Let us never forget that Jesus has gone ahead of us to chain the lions. He also returns to us through the ordeal, thus developing in us through our constancy of progressive faith. So I, that, isn't that quite the picture? Can that, you see the lions there? Oh, yeah. You've got some lions in your life, people? I oh, think yeah. we can all relate to that, can't we? Totally. Um, so I wonder, uh, again, I love to challenge your listeners. Are you leaning your whole weight upon Christ, your life today, your eternal future? What are the lions that might be causing you to waver? Where are you being tested now? Remember, the goal is never, God's goal in that is never to uh, tempt you away, but merely to test and to make you stronger in your faith and to learn more of what our great God is capable of. So how do you regain faith? Go back to God's word. Remember this verse, Bill? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. So that is faith. Um, that last statement was the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And then our very final phrase is the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So would would you want to give any other verses of your listeners? Has anyone? Yeah, this, this one. I'd love to hear this, a couple. And this here is, this goes in perfectly to uh, what you're just about to talk about. And this came in from our, our friend and, and regular guest on the show, Tom Berkowitz, of all people, who said oh, Rom yes. Romans 5.8. I don't think he'll answer back, but uh, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love that. Isn't that powerful? Wow. I love that verse. That's powerful. And it kind yeah. of sets up where we're going next, doesn't it? It really does, because this next phrase and the last phrase of 
Galatians 2.20 is the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when I read that, I thought, this is why it's, it's an okay instruction for me to be crucified with Christ or to lay my life down for him. It, it's, it's his agape love, his self-sacrificing love has really gotten into my stubborn selfishness and melted some of that away. Um, I want to be putty in his hands. I really think, you know what? I can really trust myself to someone who loves me and who was willing to make such a large sacrifice on my behalf. So let me just read the last phrase of that verse again. The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's the why I can be crucified with Christ. I'm willing to set aside myself um, because of what he did. It just seems like even small in comparison to what he did. Now, what I need, and I'm sure most of your listeners need, is to know that Jesus loves me. We never outgrow that need because today you may do something and you may think, I wonder if God still loves me, <laughs> even though I lost it here or lost it there. We constantly need to be assured Jesus loves me. Bill, I remember when I was a new Christian, I, I looked up in the Bible all the different verses about God's love, and I was looking for places where God said straight up, I love you. <laughs> I needed to hear that from him. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to hear, I love you. And of course, now I find it throughout scripture. But here is one of the places, and maybe that's why another reason why I'm so drawn to this verse, because it does tell me that God loves me. It gives me that assurance. Um, and God's love is so different than ours. Ours can be so fickle, and it can come and go with behaviors and things like that. But here, it, not only did, did he tell me he loved me, but he showed his love for me by giving himself for me. Do you notice the personal pronouns there? the son of God who loved me, Apostle Paul is writing this, and gave himself for me. Um, it just, you know, it reminds us of John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have life eternal. And a lot of people say, you know, instead of saying, um, for God so loved the world, put in there, for God so loved Bill, for God so loved Beverly, mm -hmm. for God so loved Rebecca. And so there is that personal love again that feeds our soul every day. Every day we need to remind ourselves, I am loved by God. Ephesians 5.25, it's, you know, it's a chapter really about marriage, but it's more than about marriage because it really calls husbands are called to lay down their lives for their wives out of love. And the comparison is just as Christ out of love laid down his life for the church. So there's that concept again of that sacrificial agape love that Christ had. And he here is asking husbands to lay down their lives for their wives. Now, Christ's love and his demonstration of that love, that sacrificing himself, is the reason I'm willing to be crucified with Christ, to set aside self as best I can today, and want to live for the one who loves me with agape love, um, which is the love that always, listen to this definition. I love this definition of agape love. Uh, it's a Greek 
term for love, but it's the love of God. It's the, it's the highest love. And that is a love that always wants the best for the one loved and is willing to sacrifice for them. That's agape love. How many of us really um, consider that what kind of love God has for us? He wants our best. Sometimes we get suspicious that he doesn't want our best, that he's trying to mess up our lives or punish us. Um, but he wants the best for us. And anytime he disciplines, it's always for our good. Uh, and he was willing to come, send his son, and to sacrifice because of love. That's why. So, you know, you've heard it said, Bill, many times probably, you want to, are you doubting God's love? Look at the cross. Mm -hmm. Look at that picture you talked about earlier, uh, a, a dying, bleeding, beaten uh, Jesus on a cross. That was love. That was out of love for you and a willingness to take on all of your guilt, all your sin. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to have all of the guilt mm -hmm. of all people who were going to be his on his shoulders at that time? I mean, guilty with one little sin, right? But think of what he bore just out of love for us. Bev, let me take well, our last break. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about life verses, and we're talking about her life verse, which is Galatians 2.20, and we're just having a deep dive on this one, and it's been amazing. So if you've got your verse that you just really love and you'd be willing to share it with us, we'd love to hear what it is, 877-933-2484. That's the text line, 877-93-FAITH, or email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. Such a great verse. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, none of us can live that Christian life on our own. We can't do it. And I don't think we can resist temptation by our own desire to do it. We need uh, the love of Christ and the power of him living in us. Um, and I don't think any of us can love the way we should just by our own efforts. I think we need God and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. That's why this Galatians 2.20 is such a delightful verse to be focusing on today. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and she is uh, doing a deep dive on this one. So, uh, Bev, we're down to a couple of 10 minutes or so, so let's, uh, let's, put, let's put the final touches on this one. Yeah, let's, let's just look at this final phrase of Galatians 2.20, um, talking about the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just want to ponder more on Christ's love and his demonstration of that love through the cross. You know what that does for me? It helps me to trust him more. You know, you trust someone who is willing to give it all for this, your sake. You trust that person. Mm -hmm. um, we can trust the love of God. God's love is infinite. That means it doesn't have a beginning, an end. It's, it's eternal. It's personal. And this always stops me in my tracks. It's uncaused. In other words, I can't do anything today or, to, or not do something today for him to love me less. He loves me. 
um, that is a pretty amazing thing. But the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, those two things together, the loving me and then him giving himself for me is so powerful. And it should give me and all of us really the greatest of assurance of God's love for us. There's a story about a, um, a king called in one of his subjects who was uh, causing a lot of trouble in the kingdom. And he called his, himself and his wife and his two kids. And he called this man up in the hall of judgment. And, and he said to him, You're, if I spared your life, um, what, what would you do? And he said, your majesty, if, I spared, if you spared my life, I would return to my home and remain your obedient servant as long as I live. And he said, what would you do if I spared your children? He said, your majesty, if you spared the lives of my children, I would gather my sacred horde, place your banner above them, and lead them to victory on your field. Next, he asked, what would you do if I spared the life of your wife? Your majesty, if you spared the life of my wife, I would die for you. Now, later, he did spare all of their lives, and they went back to their own country. Um, later, the husband was talking to the wife, and he said, did you notice this marble or this tapestry? Did you notice the king's throne was pure gold? And you know what the wife said? He said, to, this man said to her, what did you see as you stood before the emperor on the day of judgment? And she said, I saw only the face of the man who said he would die for me. And I think that's our response to Christ. He loved us so much. He was not only willing, but he did indeed die for us. And that really should be almost blinding to anything else in our life. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So now as recipients of God's love, that kind of love, that sacrificial love, God longs then to love through us to others. We receive his love, and then we are to diffuse his love. You know, these diffusers are so popular now. It's a great picture. God puts these drops of his powerful, concentrated love into our life, and then we are to be diffusing it out to the people in our communities and homes. Someone has said that a living, loving Christian is the most unanswerable argument for Christianity. Think about that. I agree with that. That the love. I have a good friend who always says, we got to get the love thing right. We do. We are to love with God's love. And that's really what transforms our life. And it also transforms people around us. So I have to ask myself, am I a diffuser of God's precious gift here of love? Or do I just take my little drops and not share it with others? I don't think I've really received it if I'm not diffusing that love to others. Um, and have I really experienced God's love uh, if I can't find love in me to love others? Doesn't make sense. If Christ is living in me and he loves me this way, that he died for me, then surely I have enough love in me to love even the unlovable. Mm. So that's a powerful picture here, this last, this last phrase when he says, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The apostle Paul felt that very personal love and sacrifice that was for him. And we all have to take it personal like that. We can't just keep it in the uh, theology books 
um, pie in the sky for professionals. No, it's he died for you and he loves you. The, the personal aspect of it is powerful. Well, you know what? This life verse really continues to bless me and to challenge me every day. Like I said, I want it to be part of uh, what makes my life make sense. Um, I'm always learning to trust God with more areas of my life. I have to admit that. I mean, I, I can, I can want to do it myself, just like a little two-year-old at times. So I'm, I'm lean, learning that if I want more of Christ and more of self, then must go. I need to have that constant daily crucifixion with Christ. Or actually what I picture in the morning is I, my, I lay myself on the altar um, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And that's, again, kind of that picture of being crucified with Christ. In this process, when I get discouraged, I remember that I'm loved, the great gift that Christ has given me, um, that I'm not no longer living, but Christ lives in me, that he loved me, that he gave himself for me. And also, when I if I get discouraged, I also need to remember, and it's from Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So truly, God's got this work that started within us, and he is going to bring it to completion. Uh, that crucifixion of self takes a lifetime of constantly giving ourselves over, preferring the will of God to our own. So each of us really, we said at the beginning, each of us has an Easter bill. Uh, Galatians 2.20 really tells us about our Easter. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we, yes, we have a crucifixion where we give up our life because he gave up his life. We give up our life to him. And then we have the, the promise of his presence and the promise of his love. The promise also from that Philippians 1.6 is the happy Easter morning when Christ's good work is complete in us. And that will be our resurrection. When salvation is finally completed, sin is gone. And our sanctification process, seeing Christ face to face, we will become like him. So there's a beautiful promise ahead, even though the daily journey can be kind of discouraging when we are um, offering up our lives and trying to live for him and not for ourselves anymore in that crucifixion. So Bill, these are some of the reasons why this verse has just really spoken to me my entire life. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It might change. Um, it hasn't in 40 years, nice. but I'm open. I'm yeah. open. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I think it's so um, special when we do have those places where we can turn and feel comfort again and again and be challenged again and again. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a very precious gift from the Lord. One way I was um, able to remember that verse was I think of uh, 220 voltage is going to give you quite a shock. It's going to knock you off your, uh, your butt. Um, and I sometimes think of that electrocution. I mean, you are going to be, um, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So it's easy to remember 220, 220 voltage. 
and then just tack on Galatians 2.20 and memorize it, and you're going to be happy you did. Oh, wow. That's that's a great illustration. I'm getting some really funny images in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jenny wrote in, and she said, um, uh, my verse is Psalm 91.1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. She said, aren't we not all living a sheltered life, especially now? There's rest here in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, that's a perfect verse for right now. Isn't that I got beautiful. Psalm ninety-one-one. Psalm ninety-one-one. Yeah, thanks to Go everyone. Go back and reread that one. Yeah, yeah, you sent in some really great verses, and Beth, thanks for doing the deep dive on on uh, Galatians two twenty. It's been wonderful. I've loved it. I have too. It's been a great way for me to review something that is so precious to me. Yeah, we'll have a wonderful weekend, and look forward to our next time. Thank you, Bill. Yep, Beverly Canaris has been my guest. She's a regular guest of the show and Bible study fellowship teacher, teaching leader for over 30 years, and just a delight to do Bible study with. Just love it. All right, we'll take a little break. When we come back in hour two, Dr. Alex McFarland will be joining me, and then Dr. Ann Bradley. She's going to talk about economics and what's going on in the world. I learned, we'll learn a whole bunch of stuff from, from both uh, Ann and Alex in hour two. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.